You didn't need to do a check before. I always need to. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to Gritty Reboot, episode number 15, I believe. Yeah, you're going to need those headphones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like Meredith gave me a look like, this sounds a little different right? than it normally does. And their headphones are sitting right on our lap. Okay. So a little inside baseball here. We run our entire podcasting empire off a TV tray. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we have. We have a TV tray with two boom mic. We have this coming over the side of each one, our recorder right in the middle. And that's pretty much our setup. You know, that's all we've needed and it's all we've used. So, yep. <laughs> and that's it. We just have this one little, uh, one little TV tray and that holds both of our microphones and our little stands. So, uh, today is going to be, I think an episode that's kind of similar to the Omen yeah. because we're talking about two movies that are very, very similar, very similar, unfortunately. So before we get into it, there's a couple of things that I, I did want to bring up. Um, we um, we got some contact from fans. Yes. So, um, Yay. We're going to be doing our first a fan request episode uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully before we get to Thanksgiving, we'll uh, do our one request of uh, the town that dreaded sundown. Yeah. We, we wanted to do that anyways. We yeah. have been talking about it. So when the fan mentioned that he wanted us to do it, we were like, okay, no you, you, problem at all. Exactly. And that's a really good one because um, I didn't see that remake initially because of the reviews and they were like, oh, it's a garbage meta sequel. And I was like, meta sequel? I don't care about that. And then I watched it, I think like eight years later, randomly on, on, on DVD or maybe I pirated it. Don't, don't send me to jail. And when I watched it, I was kind of surprised like, oh, this is a unique and kind of smart movie that is absolutely made for fans of that original movie. So it'll be something we'll look forward to. I'll be, I'll be very excited about it. Um, Today, another thing that I like to do is I like to, we have a five-year-old, we've mentioned this in the past, so I give her a slow little intro to horror, basically. Some creepier films that I think she can handle at her age. And Did you watch Monster Squad? Yes, and that's what it was. Last year, we, we watched uh, The Monster Squad, and she really liked it, and it gave her horrible nightmares, but she really enjoyed it. Uh, today, uh, I said, well, it's, it's time for it again. So I put on the Monster Squad and I said, all right, now be careful. This is scary. And then I got hit in the face by something that is actually realistically scary. Because then Maya told me about her day. And what she did today was today was the school shooter drill. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's what today was. So, you know, we have all this stuff with vampires and Frankensteins and werewolves and all that fantasy. And uh, just got smacked in the face by something ultra realistic right there. Yeah, that our five-year-old has to practice school shooting drills. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that, that's sort of insane that we have to think about. And it's sort of this level of dystopian nightmarish horror that I don't often consider. Uh, but just something I wanted to mention just happened in the course of the day. And she just kind of mentioned that. And she's like, we had to practice getting underneath our desk and being quiet. Oh, man. But, you know, that's that's the current state of um, of the school system and security at schools here in America. Yeah, because the St. Louis shooter was another AK. Yeah, we yeah, we, had, we had another school shooting today. We did. Yeah, we did. We did. We had another school shooting today. Or not? Uh, uh, pardon me, not school shooting, but we had another um, a public shooting. Oh man. So yeah, I know the, these incidents they pile up, and you know uh, it's just one of those things you you know you see these incidents on the news, and you always try to divorce yourself from them because you don't dwell on these things to sort of keep yourself from going insane. I, I know if any of you guys are listening to the podcast, you can't help but look at the news every now and then and just kind of stiff arm that whole thing and just try to avoid some of, those, some of those darker aspects. And today I just got punched in the face while trying to enjoy a horror movie. And uh, it just kept me thinking and I wanted to mention it here, you know, cause I think that's just an incredibly 
strange and horrific thing that we just generally live with every day. Well, we have to. We have no choice. Yeah. That's why we need this escape going into horror films and things like that. And for us to work these horrible fears and stresses out in a more relaxing and productive way. Yeah. You know, with my enjoying some films. So that's what we're here to do. We're here to put all that bad stuff aside and talk about horror movies, or in this case, reboots. Uh, We have a pair of them today. We have uh, Wreck from 2007 and Quarantine from 2008, right? Yep. Okay, good. I got the dates right. So I'm already off to a good start. So I know I heard about Wreck as it came out. When I heard Quarantine was being made, when the first trailers hit, I was already aware that there was a movie called Wreck that it was based off of, and people really loved it. And so I got a chance to watch a bootleg copy uh, back in the day, probably 2007 or early 2008. And I, I really enjoyed the movie, you know, back then. I didn't show it to you till much, much later. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. My first movie here was Quarantine. I saw that first before I saw Wreck. Yeah. It wasn't until much later that I saw Wreck. Yeah, most most people most people have done it that way. And I think uh, the Sci-Fi Channel has helped because the Sci-Fi Channel has aired the Rex sequels almost on a loop dubbed like over and over again on those networks for a long time. And there are to the original series, there is, um, uh, three sequels. Um, and they're all in the same line and continuity. Um, they don't always have the same actors, but some of them do share some of the same cast, like, uh, Angela from the original film. She comes back in the fourth one. Mm. So they, they do somewhat carry that. It, as far as I can tell, they, they seem to be pretty solid sequels that don't insult the fans or anything like that. Uh, Quarantine does have a sequel as well, but the less said about it, the better. Yeah. It's basically a zombie movie in, in an airport. I can or, imagine. Or in an airplane. It's not Ooh. great. Wreck is kind of amazing. Yeah, it truly is. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I think as I've gotten a chance to watch it a couple times here, and I've, I've watched it twice uh, this week because we watched it initially when we watch a movie together and you take your notes uh, but when you did that, you you watched the movie dubbed. Yeah. And I know you you sometimes like to have a, a dubbed version for, for a couple of reasons. One, you don't speak Spanish. Right. Two, when you're reviewing and things like this, it's a lot easier if you can hear the dialogue when you're looking down to write something. Yeah, exactly. But I, I do know, even in those situations, there's a lot of times you preferred a dubbed copy of the movie. Yeah, it's I have I had a real aversion to um, foreign films. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time in my life, uh, it's not until, you know, we got together and you started kind of pushing me towards different kinds of cinema criterion collection for life. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do have an aversion to foreign films, but I'm trying to be better. Okay. I'm trying to be better. Yeah. Listen, I, I mean, I tease you a lot about it, you know, choosing to watch the dubbed version, but the thing about it is you're at least watching the movie. Yeah, you know, you're, you're and getting it has that. a good dub version. Yeah, it, it really does. Like you can tell somebody put some money into yeah. this dub because every now and then, like I'll put on that for you, and I'll look up and go, like Jesus Christ, well they just hire two voice actors for this whole thing? I know I watched one the other day where they had a woman doing like four different voices and barely disguising her voice. It made a scene between three women extremely confusing on yeah. the dub. But sometimes that that can occur. This movie didn't have that. It had a really nice dub, so it was a lot easier to get into. And it led to some interesting things that we saw. The dub was a different translation than what was on the subtitles. That's another thing that you will find as well, especially if you're bilingual, you happen to speak the language of the original movie. Sometimes those subtitles are like the most basic translation possible. Yeah. And it's a little distracting. But into the movie Wreck, I think when when you think of the movie, like what is the... What's the main element that stands out to you the most? A movie like Wreck? Yeah. Um, 
Well, it's found footage, and I happen to like found footage movies. Yeah, we have a soft spot for found footage. Yeah. Well. It's got zombies in it. It does have zombie-esque well, creatures. yeah. They're... They're close enough. They're, especially in Wreck. In Quarantine, they're a little bit different, but in Wreck, they are... Yeah. Well, actually, I think in Quarantine, one of my critiques there is they are supposed to be different than zombies, but they end up just kind of acting like zombies. Yeah. Especially once they get to the sequel, but... I think to, to me, the thing that always stuck out about Wreck when I watched it, and it's a very difficult thing in these found footage movies, is a layer of authenticity. Yeah. And this movie feels a lot more like you're watching a news broadcast that got sidetracked by an awful event. Yeah. And it's to me, it's legit scary, too. <laughs> it it's really a legit is. scary movie. When you first see that old lady. In the hallway, in mm-hmm. the long hallway, and you get that long shot of her just standing there in shadows. Yeah. It's freaking creepy. It's it really is. terrifying. Yeah, it is. Th- this movie takes a much more um, realistic approach to its lighting because there's a lot of times you, you flat out can't see things. It's natural. I mean, you get what you get from the windows and exactly. from lamps and, and whatever. And it's like we just talked about, it lends to the authenticity, like that kind of raw feel of this movie. It's not shot in a cinematic frame rate. You know, it's shot 25 frames per second. Um, and that's a, a PAL standard for video there. And it has a video look to it. So it, it really does feel like a slice of life from a news broadcast. There's a scene in the movie where the police officer just took down the, the woman who was charging him. Mm-hmm. And he's on edge. And no one's listening to him about the quarantine. And he tries to get order back. And he pulls his gun out on those guys. And he says, I need everybody to calm down and do what I say right now. And as he's doing it, like, you you can't see the gun. But you can know from everyone's reaction and his stance that it's there. And then he moves slightly and you see the silhouette against the the lit wall behind him. And that's all you really need to know. And as you're watching the movie, it makes you watch it closer. Yeah. Like, you're looking for those things because this isn't a a well-choreographed and well-lit masterpiece. It's not a Hollywood production at all. This is a documentary, and it feels that way, that a lot of these movies really don't do. And that extends over to the acting as well. And that's the only thing you could miss from a dub track. And one of the reasons I want to go back and watch this movie as it was recorded, you know, in Spanish. I do speak a little bit of Spanish, um, and their accents are a bit of a trip for me. But for the most part, like, I can generally get the gist of what they're trying to say. But more importantly, I can understand and gauge their performance a lot better. Yeah. And that was one thing that really sort of grabbed me is how good the performances are in this movie, how much everyone's acting like a real person. Yeah, the actress is really charming. Yeah, and she does have that reporter kind of vibe and and feel and like, you know, that kind of bubbly personality. Well, that's still has to get that footage. That's because she's actually really a TV presenter. Oh, is she? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, obviously I don't watch a ton of Spanish horror films, so I don't, I don't think I'd ever seen her in anything else besides Rec 4. Yeah, she's a TV presenter in Spain. So it makes a lot of sense. I, You know, she does have that bubbly personality you need to be a reporter, but while also making sure to continue to get the shot. And this is another one of my big issues in found footage movies is why in the blue hell would anybody continue to film? And in some movies, you can have a pretty good reason of the lights on the camera or something like that. Or, you know, it has the night vision camera. You, you, you sort of invent a reason. But it being a news broadcast is a very good reason. The guy yeah. operating the camera is a professional video camera operator that's his job it's what he does he, yeah. like, he gets paid to be a photog so you know he's never going to put that camera down ever you know and, until he's taken out because that's, that's just the way a news photographer is going to think 
you continue to get the story until you can't. Yeah. It really helps justify everything that's going on because there's a lot of found footage movies where they really create some real cockamamie reasons for people to continue to keep using the camera or they don't ever address it. I mean, I love paranormal activity, but sometimes his reasoning for having the camera is just like, yeah, that forces, that forces is what luckily that character is a big enough of a douche where you could kind of buy it. (laughs) But like Cloverfield, like they just survive a horrible attack and he goes back for the camera. I'm like, you can leave it behind. Yeah. It's not that big a deal, buddy. Um, maybe my least favorite is, uh, George Romero's Diary of the Dead. I oh, think I, yeah. Yeah. Like they, they really invent some really lousy reasons for them to film. Like we have to document everything. Like, no, you don't. You gotta stay alive. Right. Put that damn camera down. This movie is, like I said, is different. He's a news, they're a news team. So th- that's what they do. And I, I, once again, I, I appreciate that little element. And I, th- I think, you know, another thing is like, you don't see the camera guy because you never would. No. Then that's an element that I like. You most... If you watch the news, you got no idea what that camera operator looks like. And you barely hear him, too. Yeah. I mean, in quarantine, you hear the... He's a character. Yeah, Yeah, he's he's a legit character. You see him a couple times. Yeah, you see him more than than a few times, actually. He appears on screen quite a bit for being the camera guy. You know, the way this movie is done, it's laid out pretty darn well as we get introduced to everything. Them coming in to investigate the situation. We get a very scary sequence with the old woman. And then we come down with the officer injured and boom, we're immediately thrown in the movie when they can't get out of the building from the quarantine. Yeah. The old lady bites the police officer. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the building goes on lockdown. Yeah. What do you think about the government response to potential zombie situation? I tell you what, it gives me hope. Like that's the one thing I want to see. Yeah. And that's, I understand these people are trapped in a hell like situation that they can't escape. They're trapped like rats, but that's what it's got to be homie. <laughs> like it sucks, but Listen, you're patient zero, or you're right yeah. next to patient zero. Sorry. Like, like that's what I, I, I like about this movie, is at the end of the day, the government would be the bad guy, technically keeping them in the building, but they're doing the exact right thing they should be doing. Yeah. Which is enforcing the quarantine. Another reason I find the U.S. version a little bit less believable. Like, the CDC is right there, and the CDC's gunning people down in the U.S. version, too. Mm-hmm. And this one, the, the government, uh, they just make sure nobody can get out. So that's one of the things that, that I like about it. They react nice and quickly to the situation. Like I said, I, I don't think bureaucracy would allow it to work that way when you consider the level of quarantine they have to get up. Like a shoot-on-site-style quarantine. And then shortly after that, you get a fireman falling from the top of the stairs all the way flat onto the, the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. And see, that's a great thing because you're, you're talking it's sudden. Yeah. You're talking about 2006. So we're in that second wave of found footage movies. And, you know, this movie got optioned when, you know, Paranormal Activity was a big hit. You know, they were just looking for any property to sort of do. And we already have a scene sort of poking fun at what is basically the gist of found footage movies, people arguing and talking over each other. Mm -hmm. Because that's all the sequences. They're going back and forth. My daughter's sick. I have to get out. Why can't I make calls? Back and forth. And then boom, that guy hits the ground where where the stakes go up another level. Yep. Because this is a character we've been introduced to a little bit. You know, we got to see him at the, the fire station. This isn't just a random cop we just met walking into the building. You know, like we know this guy. So it carries a little bit more weight. As I said, this movie does feel like real people stuck in this situation, which is a lot of, which is what found footage movies always go for, but often really fail to achieve. This movie almost gets there effortlessly in all honesty. And that scene there really drives it in. I mean, people are on edge, but at that point, like it's another level. People are just scared, terrified at that point. Yeah. And the tension keeps ratcheting up. Yeah, it does. That's the thing. It never stops. It just keeps going up and up and up and up. Yeah. The tension in the movie is very effective. Yeah. 
What do you think about the pacing of the movie? I mean, it's paced really well. It's what, an hour and 20. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, not very long at all. Um, and you got, I'd say six to seven minutes of setup early in the beginning where Angela talks to the, the reporters. Yeah. I mean, the report talks to the firemen, you know, goes to the, the fire station. They, they do some, um, general fun stuff, which you might see on, on a news broadcast and things like that. And, you know, a little bit of outtakes, it, it sets up the film nicely, but e- even then, like that time isn't wasted. You're introduced to everybody. Mm-hmm. And so once you really get to the building, the movie doesn't take a lot of time to slow things down. You know, the, the, the only times it does is when you need a moment to breathe. Yeah. When <laughs> yeah, the characters yeah, need a moment yeah. to breathe. Like, I, I think there's a sequence where uh, Angela interviews all the characters in the storeroom downstairs, a little girl, an older couple. And I think that scene is so well played because they're stuck. They can't mm-hmm. go anywhere. They clearly know they're going to get shot on sight if they go somewhere. So she's trying to make the best of a situation and it lets you feel like you're stuck in with these characters again. You know, there's a nice little sequence where the mother keeps talking over the daughter and she has to explain to her how TV works. Like that's a good little sequence in there. Like it just makes you feel just a a slight connection with these characters. They try to find a way out. They go around a group of them go around, including Angela and they try to, uh, Maybe see if there's a way anywhere out. Yeah, yeah. And they are quickly met with the police force yeah. basically telling them if they need to stay calm, but they need to stay in the building, and there is an implication that they could be shot. Yeah, and that's the thing. that There is that just that danger that's there as we see the threat from the creatures of the zombies start to rise. Yeah. Um, as we see them becoming more and more aggressive, like we know things are going to get worse. And I, and I think that's the one thing that's unique about the movie. And it reminds me a lot about uh, Blair Witch, even though I think it's as a horror film, a little bit more effective than Blair Witch is because Blair Witch can only rank, uh, ratchet up that tension for about 20 minutes near the end of the film. And this movie is pretty much able to do it throughout its entire, about midway through the second act, all the way till literally the end of the final frame of the movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because, you have all of these events escalating until basically what is the start of the third act, which is the storeroom can no longer hold the creatures anymore. Yeah. You have the uh, man that comes in in the biohazard suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's another indication that we got some changing of the. Something very serious is going yeah. on. He comes in with like a, a big old biohazard suit, which immediately puts you on edge if you were in there. And, you know, he has to come in and, and, and test the people that are sick and what I love is he doesn't really give us a ton of exposition or let us know anything that's really going on. Well, we get the exposition from Angela and the cameraman yeah. spying on them as he, as the biohazard guy is checking on the yeah. injured. And even then, like our explanation of things is a bit sparse. Yeah. Like, it's just like, okay, this disease spreads. We, you know, the, the dog is here is how we, we discovered that it was in here in this building. So I, I think that was an, and an, I think that's a good way to display it because one of the things that I always love is people always forget they have wireless microphones on. Yeah. Um, it should, trust me, it, it happens all the time. I, you know, whether it's just people going to the bathroom with their microphones on or famous football players doing lines of Coke in the bathroom before they come out and do their segment on Fox sports. Yeah. So <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I've heard all sorts of things on live mics over the years. So it, it's something that happens. And I, I like the way that's expressed. I like that that character brings us the tiniest bit of safety. Yeah. Like there's a chance. There's a chance they could get out. And there's a chance. Yeah. But when all hell breaks loose 
And like later on, he's like, don't come close to me. I'm bitten. And they have to lock him away. Like they're locking away that last bit of hope. Yeah. Because, okay, if if he got sick just coming in here, the next people they're going to send in here is going to be a heavily armed commando group taking out anything that moves. It's it's a tricky situation that they're in. <laughs> yeah, and it really just, is. Just when you think that you get a little bit of a reprieve, the little girl gets infected. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great sequence when everybody realizes it's a disease and it's spreading and that little girl is sick because the camera turns right to the mother and she's like, it's just, she just has pneumonia or whatever she's saying. I know it's different in both versions. I think she just has a fever. She just has a fever. She, she just has a fever. And then her daughter takes a bite out of out her, of her and, and runs off. And, uh, which is, I think one of the, probably one of the most terrifying things in the movie is they have to handcuff that mother to the stairs. Yeah. So, because she's infected and they need to keep her, they need to make sure she stays put for just the time being. And a few minutes later, the zombies get loose and they don't have the key because the cop who had it is upstairs dead. Yeah. So they can't get it anymore. And she is just brutally attacked by those zombies when they come running right out and it allows our main characters to escape. But like you just hear her screaming, please let me go, please, please. And then they come at her and you see her screaming. I mean, that's a really horrifying thing. Yeah. You know, and, and you're smacked by a situation you could find yourself in very realistically, accidentally leaving someone to die a truly horrible death. Then they end up trapped in an apartment and they end up trapped with a turning man. Yeah. So they have to navigate their way through that. Yeah. Once this whole thing sets into motion, like this movie is such a roller coaster ride. It really is. Like you just strap yourself in and you're going up the stairs and you're finding out what's wrong. And you're, it's almost like a video game to some extent because they're going up there, they're going to get the key that they need from one building to or one room to go open another one. So they're able to find some way to get out. And this repeats itself a few times before you get to the end of the movie. And I mean, like that, that final chase sequence where you start from the bottom, have to go all the way up to the, the top floor. It's just like, dig your nails into the armrest, white knuckle sort of terror. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just so impressive, you know, from a movie at this budget level. Does the cameraman deserve a medal for filming all this shit? Praise the cameraman. Like, that's what it is right there. Like I said, th those guys don't quit, and they're, they're going to keep moving. And one other aspect to move to a technical aspect is that I love the way the camera moves. It moves like a real camera. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just trying to move. And sometimes he'll miss what he's supposed to capture and just reframe real quick. And that's something that I, I think just leads that authenticity. Like, nothing feels like it's choreographed. Like, the camera guy's sliding to a certain point to hit a mark. So he can see this one thing that's going to occur. This movie doesn't feel like that at all. Yeah. And that's one thing that I, I really like and how the camera work goes. And, and even diegetically, that poor cameraman and all the work he had to do only to get destroyed by the, the girl at the end of the flick. Actors were never given the script in its entirety. The actors never knew their fates, sometimes until the day of. The actors were stressed, nervous, and apprehensive. Perfect for this film. Yeah, yeah. And you, you really can tell. Like, they... It does have that vibe that they don't really know what's coming next either. And that does make things very, very interesting. Now we get to my favorite part of this movie when you have one fireman left mm -hmm. and they're desperately trying to find the keys to the basement so yeah. they can get out through the sewers. Yeah. And they discover, okay, they run around this building with all these zombies going on. They're trying to find who, who has that... Um, the name of the apartment that they need to go into so that they, they know which apartment it is. Yeah. They find the name. They go all the way up to the apartment and they go inside. 
And this part scared the shit out of me. Yeah, because you the first time I saw everything it. is so tense on that run to get there. And we you know, we lose the fireman. You know, who, who yeah. like he just been laying waste to these guys, but they still Snapping take him necks. out. So only our camera operator and Angela survive. Yeah. They get up to the top and we get a moment to breathe really quickly. Ooh. Like you take a deep breath when you're in there and then she starts looking around and then you realize this isn't a place where you should take a breath. They don't got no light either. So all they got is a. Yeah. So he flips on the camera light and we start seeing all of these the news articles vision. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Before we get to the night vision, you see all these news articles about a possession. There's something very strange going on, some demonic flavoring. And then, you know, you, she turns on the tape recorder and it starts playing an explanation. It doesn't tell you everything, but it talks a lot about a girl who's been possessed and them trying to draw something from her. Like they're working on something with that. And, you know, everything sort of comes together for the viewer. This is some sort of rage virus developed from this girl, this possessed girl. And then... You know, when that reaches a fever pitch, you hear a noise finally. Yes. And so it, it just a great sequence. The the cellar pops open. The camera guy lifts his camera right up there and immediately that girl hits it. Pans around. Yeah. You well, know it, it's coming. Yeah. And it's still scary. Yeah, you wait for it, it hits, and then like I mean, I remember that in in, in a theater when we saw it in quarantine, like everybody just jumps out of their seats. It's it's a great moment. And they, they nail that one in, in both versions. Yeah, and then, like I said, you the camera's broken, and we get an amazing sequence, only akin to, like, maybe Silence of the Lambs with uh, night vision. Yeah. You know, they're kind of stumbling around, him trying to keep Angela quiet, grabbing her hand, and like, no, it's just me, it's just me. And them trying to whisper and stay quiet around it. Because they hear stuff. Yeah, yeah. They hear some more fondling in the dark. Yeah, and, and I mean, the look to her is just utterly creepy and terrifying she's terrified yeah like she's the thing of nightmares basically and I, I love it it's great you know he makes a noise and she immediately pounces on him she looks terrifying yeah, yeah. she's all tall and gone emaciated yeah it's 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 a great look it's just it's just she looks like a creature from another planet yeah it really does a true monster and it, it, it's exactly what you want to see at the end of one of these movies like it's an encouraging creature design nothing too crazy but since you weren't expecting to see it it, it, it doesn't <laughs> you're not led up with disappointment like people who were like what the hell's the Blair Witch look like you didn't know there was going to be anything up there till you got in there mm-hmm. so it, it's it's really well done and of course once the cameraman is taken you know Angela is able to stumble through the darkness for a little bit before she's taken in the final and iconic shot of the movie yeah that has been spoiled but <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, just like the second it goes, quarantine. I mean, a wreck is just an incredible ride. You know, I I can't recommend the movie highly enough. It it could be my second or third favorite found footage movie after the original Blair Witch and Grave Encounters. Yeah, it's definitely up there for me. Yeah, it, it certainly is in the category with those two movies. Probably, I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than Blair Witch, but Blair Witch gets a little bit more credit for. His, for starting the whole thing and 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 doing it with less resources somehow. Yeah, see, my number one is Paranormal Activity, just because we went to see that in the theater, and it was one of the best, if not the best, experience I've had in a movie theater. Yeah, that audience was stoked to see Paranormal Activity. Yeah, like that was right when the hype train had, had really begun, and people were trying to figure out what we it were was. right there at the beginning, baby. Yeah, we, yeah, we were, we were. Oh man, it was a great, great audience. So. Yeah, no, I, I can't give uh, anything more than a stronger recommendation to, to Wreck. Even if you're not a big fan of found footage movies, I think you'll definitely find something to enjoy in the flick. Only other cool fact that I had for this movie mm-hmm. 
was it was one of the major inspirations for the uh, FPS survival horror game Outlast. I I wouldn't doubt that at all. Yeah, Outlast is uh, rips off pretty liberally from a lot of other horror properties. Um, I, 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 yeah, Outlast is fine. We're, we're not here to talk about video games, but if you're playing walking simulators and stuff like that, you can do a lot better than Outlast. To be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah. Play Amnesia. And you're into this walking simulator game. It's some of them, yeah. I mean, sometimes you end up with layers of fear too, or something like layers that. Layers of fear. Yeah, layers of fear. <laughs> uh, I do like that title. Sometimes, even though I, I just kind of bash Blair Witch, but the Blair Witch game I think is kind of cool in that respect. Same team, weirdly enough. Yeah. All right. So we move on to Quarantine, which is the movie that I saw first. Hi, I'm Angela Vidal. We're in Los Angeles, traveling along with the fire department. Is that so bad? These are the men you'll be shadowing tonight. Wherever they go, you go too. Police are here. I might be a little more serious than we thought. A woman was screaming bloody murder back there. Fire department's about to begin the rescue process. Police say that she lives alone. She's not very sober. Okay, okay. We're gonna get you some medical help, okay? It has Jennifer Carpenter in it, and she's really the star of the whole movie. Yeah, Jennifer Carpenter from Dexter and White Chicks. We get similar beginnings to this movie. It's yeah. not shot for shot necessarily, but it's, it's pretty close. It, it is it, a little longer. It's a little longer in the fire station. Yeah, you get a lot more of the her playing basketball and yeah, yeah, and her talking to all the different firefighters. Yeah, there's a, there's a sequence they added where the American firefighters take a little moment to harass her. They show her one guy's dong. Yeah. Which is... She goes into the dressing room. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit more added here. It doesn't add much, except that the firefighters aren't quite as likable. Because they're... uh, they're, (laughs) I guess they're a little bit more jerks in this movie. Even the thing about him wanting to sleep with Angela, as well, that's different in this movie. She is still Angela in this one, right? She's an Angela. Okay, that's what I thought. So, um, I was making sure they didn't change her name to, like, Angie or something. Anyway... Like when him making the joke about wanting to sleep with her, I think that's a lot more lewd and forward in the American version. Mm-hmm. And it just changes how you might feel about these guys who are not just civil servants there to do a job. Like they're kind of just like overgrown boys, I think, in this version, as opposed to what you saw in the Spanish film. There was also like, you know, we talked about uh, the actress that played Angela in yeah. Wreck and how she had a level of authenticity to her performance. And it's because she had experience as that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the other difference I noticed is Jennifer Carpenter's character didn't correct shots. Yeah. She didn't suggest things or yeah. things that they could be doing or talking to the firemen about. Yeah. There was a lot less of that in this, in this uh, iteration. Yeah. Jennifer Carpenter isn't as natural as a reporter as the actress in the original film is. And I think that's putting it mildly. I like Jennifer Carpenter a lot. I've seen pretty much every episode of Dexter, and I think she's fantastic on that show. Uh, Really, one of my favorite underrated actresses. But she stinks in this movie. Yeah. And I don't think there's any other way to really put that. Like, when when you're the lead of a found footage movie, like, like, I mean, she just isn't very good. Because there are so many sequences that that bleed with terror and fear in the original film from that actress's performances, the actress's performance, pardon me. And then you sort of directly compare the way like Jennifer Carpenter does these scenes. And they're so over the top. Yeah. Her yelling at everybody yeah. is just like, okay, Jennifer Carpenter, so, we get it. So, I mean, I, here's the takeaway and I'll, I'll get to it real quick. I know you have more things to say, but this is my takeaway is 
I had always defended quarantine. And I had said, like, oh, Wreck and Quarantine, they're the same movie. Wreck's a little bit better, but it's not like Quarantine is some kind of slouch. And I was really shocked when I watched it this time because it absolutely is a slouch. Mm -hmm. This is a great example of an Americanized Hollywood remake that misses the point of the original movie. So one thing I want to say straight off the bat is documentary style to cinematic style. Yeah. And Wreck is completely documentary style. Quarantine is absolutely a Hollywood film all the way through. It's shot 24p, which is the frame rate of film, so it has a film look. It doesn't look like a news broadcast. The lighting lets you clearly see things, because in a Hollywood film, it's a huge faux pas to have things just hidden in darkness. So even when things are dark, there's that layer of blue light to them, right? Yeah. Like a sheen to them, almost like it's a cheap James Cameron film. And this robs the movie of a lot of simple scares, and it forces actors into a more like play style of acting, like like in a theatrical sort of play as opposed to like a movie. Like it just it doesn't it doesn't work. It never feels real. It doesn't feel authentic at all in any way, shape, or form, like the original Spanish film did. And that makes this a pretty pale limitation. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah, I mean, and I was coming from a fan, and like I said, I was just downright surprised at how much I didn't enjoy watching Wreck this time. You mean I mean, no, quarantine after after watching Rack. It really made the differences stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, time. I think we didn't help ourselves by watching them semi back to back. Yeah. Um, it's, I think we would have enjoyed quarantine a lot more if we didn't have to do this show. If we just watched it on a random Friday or Saturday. Well, I mean, I'll be honest. I probably haven't watched quarantine Probably since I saw it in theaters. I maybe caught it on cable um, some random We've time. We've seen Wreck a million times. Yeah, but that's the thing. I just, I, we put on Wreck, you know, because I, I know that's the better film. So after watching Wreck a number of times over the years, like I said, I was just surprised at, at the level of quality, um, especially from some of the actors, because I like Jennifer Carpenter. I like Jay Hernandez a lot, and he's mm-hmm. not anything to really about. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's so bland, generic. Yeah, he's as bland as bland could be. The guy's like oatmeal out there. It just It just doesn't. This movie just lacks the teeth that the original film has, and that there's no other way to really put it. So we got uh, the apartment complex. It's very, very similar. They look very similar. Yeah. I did learn that the apartment complex was a set. Yeah, they built that, so that's why it is the, the very same But way. it was a fully functioning one with four floors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's you know where the money went in, inside this film. Yeah. So I, I know you probably have some more about it, but I think the biggest change in this movie is origin of the disease. Yes. So in this movie, one of the small changes we get early on is there's an uh, like an intern in the first movie who's treating some of the people who have some medical issues in wreck. In quarantine, we have a, the similar character, but he's a vet. And this is a change that's there for only one reason only. The disease has been changed from this sort of rage virus that was in the original movie to like ultra rabies. Yeah. Basically is what it is. Rabies that attacks humans and can uh, easily uh, turn into full-blown rabies in like a few hours. And it affects animals because you get that first shot of uh, the cameraman squishing the rat. That yeah, it, yeah it, does, it does affect animals. So you get another added sequence of him stomping the rat, which is, um, you know, it's a scene. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, it, like, the, the, you know, it doesn't add a whole lot to the movie and lets you know things are a little bit different. Um, you know, it... it I mean, it doesn't let you know anything is like out of whack at that point because the movie can still really recover, but it it just doesn't. The other thing that's different is the um, 
they actually in wreck there's no contact with the outside you just hear no. the guy going everybody stay calm and stay inside the building yeah with this movie they actually go up uh to somebody's apartment and they have who has rabbit ears yeah and they're able to watch like what are you it's an antenna guy five five oh, sorry yeah it's an antenna. yeah it's <laughs> an old, old school antenna yeah <laughs> They uh they get what, like five minutes of yeah of they were able broadcast. to see a little bit of a news broadcast that lets them know that the government is lying about they say everybody in the building's already been evacuated and that's pretty much it so we we get a little bit more background about what's going on outside um now because of the vet we are able to definitively find out this is that this is rabies um it's just working faster everything I just told you is basically what the lawyer from Alan McBeal tells us. And listen, the, the change to making it rabies, that's neither here nor there. That's fine, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. That doesn't ruin the movie or anything like that. But I think losing that kind of supernatural element from the movie is unfortunate. Yeah. And it, I think it changes that final sequence, in my opinion. Because this movie is not shot for shot, but if it could have been, it would have been. You know, like I said, there's less than a, a year, really, between the release of Wreck and quarantine completing production, right? Yep. So, I mean, like, <laughs> you're talking about, like, the, was it John Eric Dodal? Dowdle was the director's name? Yeah. I think, like, you know, he might only have a few times to really watch Wreck and, and make his plans how he wants to shoot the movie, but, you know, he does stick mostly shot for shot, except for those few changes. I think he and his brother wrote the script, so he's entirely to blame. <laughs> I hate to put it on him, like, he made a terrible movie. Wreck isn't awful, it's just a pale limitation, as I said. I think one of the things that you'll see is like him exercising that demonic element. Yeah, I, I know what I said. Getting rid of it, it just it makes that final sequence a lot less creepy. Also, when Doug Jones, who replaces the girl from the first movie, is up there, who the hell is he supposed to be? Doug Jones? Yeah. Who he's supposed to be in yeah. the quarantine? Yeah, because there's no explanation for who the heck he's supposed to be. In the original film, it's the girl who was diseased. Why the hell is there some random boss character hiding in the attic? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I was gonna say the 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 boss character is Doug Jones. Yeah, so I'm saying like, what's he doing there? There's there's no explanation about why somebody should be hanging out there. In the other film, like that is the girl who was originally started the infection, the yeah. p- the the possessed girl. What do you think about the movie's level of violence? Do you think there's more violence in the quarantine movie or wreck? There is more violence. In I agree. Quarantine, uh, I agree to its detriment, and you rarely hear me say that. But th- when we see the firemen fall down. He gets back up at a certain point in the movie, and this is only in the American version, and he walks with, like, a completely busted and destroyed leg, and it's all CG. And, yeah, it's kind of a neat thing to see, but the CG sticks out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing later with uh, they have an infected dog they add to this movie. Yeah. And, and that also is, is very similar. It sticks out like a sore thumb that it's an effect. And there is another kill later on where the cameraman... Uh, kills an infected person with his camera lens. Yeah. And and these are added to just kind of increase this kind of gore level, but it doesn't give you anything. So it's nice that there are some extra kills. As a matter of fact, the the cameraman kill with the lens is maybe one of the dumbest kills I've seen in a found footage movie. Yeah. Why would you hit your why would you hit the thing trying to kill you with the weakest part of your camera? Yeah, yeah the thing made <laughs> of glass inside your camera that can get out of alignment if you set it on a tripod too hard. Why would you hit him with that? Apparently that camera wasn't made of glass. It was made of something much, much stronger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had this this really strange lens. Yeah, you would take it off and you'd hit that thing with the battery on the back. 
but then you don't have a really uh, ridiculous shot of like the lens going over and over as fake digital blood hits the the lens. You know, I mean, these are the things that are added. They don't really give you a whole lot to the movie. You know, this, I mean, it is what it is. It's a Hollywood remake to cash in on paranormal activity. And as much as I do like the director, his previous film, the Poughkeepsie tapes is really fantastic. This just isn't anything to get excited or to write home about. It's all it is. Cheap Hollywood cash in. Yeah. We still get the same scene with the monster, same shot for shot, panning around the attic yeah. and finding her. The monster is a lot scarier in the wreck. Don't yeah, you think? I, I think so too. Um, and this is no offense to Doug Jones, who I love, but the way she looks is just more the stuff of nightmares. And once again, they're trying to emulate the way she looked in the first film with Doug Jones, and it doesn't work. It took Doug Jones four hours to get into his full body prosthetic for that, this role. And that's that's a light day for him. He's used to mostly like 12 hours of makeup. Only filmed in one day. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not, I guess I'm not too... I guess this movie wouldn't have spent that long in production. Not a found footage flick. The average shot was between four and six minutes long. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's supposed to be... Plus, uh, not cut. But th- this film was very different in that respect because I mentioned that in the previous movie, how it felt like a real camera guy moving around. This movie feels like a ballet. Like the camera guy is moving perfectly to hit something and a guy who is about to do something steps perfectly into the light so he can be seen... Once again, Hollywood remake, those sorts of things pull you right out of, yeah. of the authentic film that Wreck was. And, you know, Quarantine just becomes a dumb horror movie. And this is a testament to Jennifer Carpenter as an actress, even though she's not the best in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the final shots, Jennifer Carpenter asked that she not be shown the penthouse because she didn't want to know where anything was. And you can see that when she's fumbling around, she doesn't know where anything is. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, and that's one of the better moments from her acting-wise. I think a lot of the dialogue from the first movie that she has to deliver, especially when she's scared, just doesn't doesn't ring true at all. You know, her trying to pretend to be scared and, and tired and and stressed just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I you know, she's much better playing a tougher detective on Dexter than she was, you know, doing the scared bit. So Okay, do you have anything else that you want to discuss with regards to quarantine? Uh, Yeah, you know, we weren't the only ones to um, dislike the movie and to to call it out. Um, The actually original filmmakers also had uh, big-time issues. Uh, Paco Plaza, this is his statement on quarantine. It helped Wreck to become more popular than it was. It moved a spotlight onto our film. You know, the fact that it was going to be remade in Hollywood, it was big news in Europe. Everyone knew that it existed, this tiny little Spanish film. That I appreciate. And the other uh, director, uh, Balaguerro, he also co-directed the film and co-wrote it. He very much disliked Quarantine. He said, it's impossible for me to like because it's a copy. It's the same, except for the finale. It's impossible to enjoy Quarantine after Wreck. I don't understand why they avoided the religious themes. They lost a very important part of the end of the movie, in my opinion. He's not wrong. Yeah, and I think it's nice to hear the original director sort of say something about this movie. And and once again, Quarantino only live on American cable because otherwise every other territory in the world is probably going to get wrecked and watch that instead. Yeah. So Quarantino is a movie with a, a shelf shelf life, basically. You know, once those cable viewings run out, which they might already have, you know, I, I don't even know where it's streaming. I, I, I happen to. Someone gifted me a Blu-ray years ago, <laughs> so I ripped that. Uh, and that's how we watched it. So I, I have no idea where it's available streaming. I did have someone criticize that we don't 
tell anybody where things are usually available streaming. Oh, well, we, we should start doing that. Well, I, I, I mentioned to him, I said, one of the reasons I don't is because of the blob. Uh, After we we reviewed the blob, we talked about it, we told everybody where to go to watch it, and then I sat down to watch one sequence from it real quick, and I discovered it was no longer available on Pluto. Yeah. So I just lied to everybody at that point. So that happens. Yeah. That, that, if you don't listen to this like day and date, then, you know, any info we give you could be outdated. So that's why we don't, we don't really bother with that. So. All right. Well, um, let's go through the reviews. Rec had a 4.1 user review, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.4 IMDb. Mm-hmm. Quarantine had a 2.8. 55% Rotten Tomatoes and a 5.9 IMDb. So a lot of our sentiments are echoed in those user reviews. I mean, yeah. 4.1 to 2.8, that's that's significant. Yeah, pretty much so. Here's a one-star review on Rec, which I honestly had a hard time finding. Okay, so yeah. A lot of people like this It's an incredibly movie. well-respected movie, so lay it on me. I was hoping for a good horror flick, but we're disappointed. Fortunately, because all the good reviews, it is probably just me, and you will enjoy this anyways. Good for you. But even though I watched Home Alone in the dark at the dark of night, as I usually do, the horror films, I was not scared. There were very few moments of light suspense. The camera is horrid even for a POV film. The 1998 Blair Witch was ecstatic camera work compared to this. Almost all the actors and especially the main characters are unbearably bad in their roles. They do not feel genuine and the constant shouting and screaming is annoying and out of place for most of the scenes. I just wish that they would just die as soon as possible so I could focus on the suspense buildup that was in vain until the very last second of the movie. There is a constant screaming and unpleasant voice of the main character. Most of the deaths are the most predictable cliches and characters behaving in seriously dumb ways. It felt like watching just a bunch of people with dementia. There was not a single calm person in the movie. Nobody who could bring in a minute of silence or just actually think about the situation. As I said, everyone seems to be enjoying this film, so go ahead and see for yourself. Well, it kind of sounds like he had more problems with the cliches of the genre of found footage. Yeah, I don't think else. he liked uh, found footage movies. Yeah, he might like a couple of them, but like this movie has a lot of the cliches that we we know of the genre, and those are the things he complained about, like the poor camera work, which is what you should. But he probably liked Quarantine more with the cleaner camera work. Yeah, you know, I, then I guess I forget a lot of the times. Not everyone's looking for the most raw, realistic, cinematic portrayal of things. Sometimes they want a more cleaner, sterilized Hollywood version. And that's what that guy's looking for. He probably enjoyed quarantine more. Okay. And here's a one star review for quarantine. There were quite a bit more one star reviews. (laughs) Yes, folks. Mainstream American cinema can't stand the fact that a non-American country has made an absolutely genius horror film that happened to be scariest film that many people, myself included, has seen. I'm, of course, talking about the excellent Spanish horror film Wreck. And I can applaud that film Till the cows come home, but let me now vent my frustration with something like Quarantine. Released in 2008, barely a year after Wreck, Quarantine sought to bring a true fear back to mainstream horror by not doing anything original, of course, but by making a carbon copy of a really, really good movie. The results are all disastrous. In true American style, everything has to be bigger and better. It's shot, hand-held, huh? Well, let's make it shaky as hell. Whoa, it's going to freak the audience out. It's going to reflect America's current social climate and all the fears will live every day because we're a repressed country. Well, I could rant on and on and go off topic, but this is the worst horror remake I've ever seen. Hmm. Followed closely by The Shining, The Fog, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, of course, Psycho, 
please, 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 I implore you, don't watch this film. Watch Wreck. Rant over. Thank you. I think it's a better movie than everything except for Texas Chainsaw. And I'm not a big fan of that movie, but I think it's better than than, than some of those flicks. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. One day we'll do Psycho. It's been a long time since I've seen Gus Van Sant's Psycho, but it's a lot easier to hate on this movie, you know, because it's dumb. You're just doing an un-American remake because people can't understand Spanish. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is, <laughs> you know. Everything that's to be said about Wreck and Quarantine really has. Yeah. You guys know if you're looking to check out one, you know, check out Wreck. If you absolutely can't handle subtitles or dubbing, Quarantine is decent enough viewing, but really, you got to check out the original for that true experience. Yeah, and I'm not sure if Wreck is available anywhere. Yeah, you can catch, if you're an American, I think you can catch it on Tubi. I'm going to look it up real quick. I feel like it's going to be on Tubi. You owe me $10 if it's on Tubi. I don't think I've said Tubi this much in like one time ever. Yeah, it's on Tubi. Uh, uh, otherwise, you'd have to rent it from Amazon. And that's for us. That's for the American listeners here. Our two or three international listeners will have to find some other way to watch the movie. Uh, if you want to watch Quarantine. Paramount Plus. Netflix. Crackle. Hold on. I'm this getting is there. terrible. I'm radio. getting <laughs> <No>. <laughs> terrible. I've introduced the worst part. Okay, yeah. you can watch it on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you can check out both movies and see how you feel about it. If um, you're the one fan out there or quarantine who feels it's a superior movie, and uh, you got to let us know that. Uh, easy enough to contact us. It's a uh, gritty reboot cast at gmail.com. Yep. You can send us an email. Let us know or contact us at gritty reboot at TikTok or Instagram. Um, you can search for us there and, you know, we, I post there daily, so you can always get a hold of us and, and let me know what you think. Or, you know, even if you want to put in a request for a movie that we should do, or like I said, just listen yeah, to what we Yeah, keep those requests <laughs> coming. Yeah. We look forward to any comment we get from you guys, positive or negative. You know, we take any uh, comment to heart and always reply. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we don't take it to heart. We do. I do. If somebody tells you you're a fucking asshole, you I, I, shouldn't I, take it I, I cry openly. Every <laughs> poor review that I get, they're like, you suck and you should stop your podcast. I just go in a bathroom and I just turn on the shower and cry. Well, maybe we shouldn't <laughs> do this podcast anymore. You don't, you don't, think, it's a, you don't think that's a good idea? That's that I, I, I take idea. every bit of bad criticism? <laughs> I have a people to kill this now for <laughs> bad comments. And that's a great way to end a podcast. So <laughs> yeah. We'll see you guys next time. Yeah, guys. Have a good one. <laughs>